Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. Finally done with all the recaps, um, at least until round two uh, starts to happen. So going to go ahead and get back to the good old interviews that first started off uh, this second season. I'm very excited to be able to have the chance to sit down with uh, Kat Decada from the North. So here we go. Well, I've got Kat here with me now. Kat, um, thank you so much for, for hopping on and, and being willing to uh, talk dodgeball for a little bit. Um, let's just go ahead and start with your full name and the team that you currently play for. Sure. Uh, I'm Kat Takeda. I technically am on Chicago Kaiju. Uh, I do not have a women's or a co-ed team, uh, but I have taken a elite hiatus uh, for the year. So all they although they are technically my team, I am not a rostered player right now. Gotcha. And can you explain the hiatus a little bit? So uh, right at the beginning of August 2017, I got a promotion. Uh, All of my dates, uh, as far as tournament-wise, had already been approved. So when I got the promotion, they basically had to let me come to Boston. Uh, And then based off of the schedule, I'm a special events coordinator uh, based off the schedule, I work a lot of weddings, and when they released the Elite Rounds uh, in December, I found out that not a single weekend uh, would work. So I forfeited my spot, we drafted two new players, and then I'm just kind of playing in whatever tournaments happen to work with my schedule, so I'm kind of, I haven't played a single tournament in our state. I've flown to i flew flew to sin city and then i flew to la for the tribune tournament gotcha so it's not like you're taking a like you're done with dodgeball it's just works not allowing for the elite schedules right now at least correct gotcha yeah i know the feeling um i sure gripe about that a lot in these episodes so i'll I'll stop myself but um when we were talking about this earlier you said that you're going to at least try to make like a south regional tournament perhaps or is there some hope for you to be able to make um any other regions so i was originally looking at east round two and south round three uh as of right now it doesn't look like either are going to happen uh just due to the fact that the schedule is constantly basically increasing so if we have like one event that weekend and then all of a sudden we have three events that weekend so no one tends to cancel their wedding yeah it's, uh, a, it's a bummer <laughs> yeah but i am going to be at the twin cities throwdown which is the weekend of the it's uh april 21st and then i will be at udc the first weekend of august gotcha so you're still going to be involved in the competitive scene just not so much elite for now Right. And I mean, I'll be behind the scenes for Kaiju, helping them with their administrative um, social media and whatnot. And then I'll be there for part of uh, round two in Chicago, but I won't be playing. I'm just going to be there helping film and ball shag and all the other fun parts that come along with being on the team. Nice. So you're still definitely invested. Um, that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to ask real quick, um, Kat, is that short for Catherine, Kate, or is that Catherine. like a nickname? Uh, yeah, it's a nickname uh, for short for Catherine. Gotcha. Nothing related to like the feline cat or anything like that. It's just short for, for Catherine. Yep. Cool. And then, so going back to uh, Chicago Kaiju, did who came up with that name? Like, how did that team come come to be? So there's... It's a it's cool not, name. It's not the longest story of how it came about. So... 
I used to be on the team DWO, uh, and that was my first team in Elite. Uh, and then in 2016, the team uh, disbanded, and I was left without a team. Uh, so Devin McManus, the captain of Super Best Friends, they were also in the process of rebranding. Part of their team had also left to start a new team. So we combined players from DWO and from Super Best Friends and then picked up a couple new players. And he's the one who came up with the name Chicago Kaiju. Um, so Kaiju in Japanese means strange beast. Right. Uh, so it was kind of fitting for our team. Um, we had a lot of players that had come from other places that people weren't familiar with and kind of this team that necessarily didn't fit the MO of what I guess elite was at the time. So that's, that's how we came up with, well, that's how he came up with the name, but I am totally down with it. So yeah. Does it have a Pacific rim influence? Cause that's where I first heard the term Kaiju. Yeah. So, um, Basically, any Japanese monster film, uh, Godzilla and Mothra, and like you know the creatures from Pacific Rim, they're all classified as kaiju. So all those movies, um, it's like a kaiju like theme. Okay. Um, so any like if you saw like the most recent Godzilla, they're coming out with pretty much they're doing what Marvel's doing, but in the realm of kaiju, and they're every single like well known. Japanese monster um, is going to have its feature film. So it kind of worked out well that all of that kind of happened at the same time when we decided on our name because it helped explain um, the background right. to when it what we decided to call ourselves. Cool. Yeah, no, like I was saying earlier, that's a, it's an awesome name. And um, I wondered as soon as I saw Kaiju popping up, I was like, I wonder if that's from Pacific Rim or... Um, associated with the the japanese monsters um i was a i was a huge fan of godzilla as a kid growing up but i did watch the what i could understand of the godzilla movies and it was always like when does he get to just destroy stuff that's all i care about but i did yeah. um, grow up watching <laughs> godzilla and, and i appreciated it so i've got like a little um i get slightly excited whenever i see kaiju popping up so it's pretty cool and so this was like a, a combination of super friends that did i hear that part correct Super best friends. Super best friends. So two years ago um, is when Mark and the rest of Elite were really pushing for teams to have more professional sounding names, mm. kind of get rid of the silliness associated with some of the, the names that we had. So as I'm sure you've noticed, a lot of the North teams rebranded and they got new jerseys and some of them changed their team um format like they rostered new players so kraken used to be bear jordan uh we used to be dwo and super best friends uh task force used to be task force unicorn um so we all collectively you know dropped the the silly parts of our team names and then rebranded like with a more professional ideal in mind gotcha i'm a i'm a huge fan of that by the way of just kind of not so much, I don't want to say taking the fun away from dodgeball. Never am going to admit to being a fan of that specific thing, but just as we push forward to you know more legitimacy, it's kind of good to see some of the names um, 
especially like the cheesy ones like like balls deep ha 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 lol like no like it, it's good to see like professional team names starting to be come enforced and i think i was telling um Maybe it was either Glenn or Kenny, but I, I, I cannot wait for the day where uniform enforcements are going to be in place and everybody has to match. It's going to look so great. I, can't, I cannot wait for that. But uh, Oh, yeah. it's I'm really excited for that. Um, the NCDA actually instated some uniform rules across the league uh, nice. after I graduated, um, but they have not necessarily restrictions on what they can and cannot wear but they're required to have their numbers shown in certain areas of their jersey to make it easier for refs because when you're trying to yell at 15 people on the court it's easier to say number 15 than it is to say you with the yellow shoes as you're pointing Um, at 30 other people that are looking at you like what me yeah yeah very cool Uh, and that's i'm I do want to get into the NDL because I think I remember seeing you there, but before that happens, um, how long have you been playing dodgeball? Let's start there first. So the first time I played dodgeball was 2006. Um, we hosted a dodgeball tournament at my high school uh, for the juniors and the seniors. So I played in a tournament my junior year, and then I played again my senior year. Uh, so that was twice out of the two years. Uh, and then after I got accepted at DePaul, I started playing. So that was fall of 2007. So that puts me at 11 and a half years. Wow. Nice. Very cool. It, so this was high school that you started? Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. Um, just, you know, two random charity tournaments that my high school hosted, but I started playing seriously in fall of 2007. Now, prior to those like charity, ra- char- charity, charity random tournaments, um, had you played dodgeball before at all in any capacity? No, um, I wouldn't say that my school had banned dodgeball, but we played games that were similar to it. Um, we just never called it dodgeball. Like medic or um, trench? We, they would throw us into the wrestling room and give us dodgeballs except it was more so like last man standing style i see where you had free reign of the room but you could only take like a certain number of steps like i'm sure you're familiar when we did that um i mean we do it all the time in the north as far as like fun things but uh i know it was like a common thing for the ndl the one year that i went <laughs> yeah the um last man standing competition you can only take like two steps once you got a ball and that's it and then yeah. it's a free-for-all so that's cool um i mean it, it sucks that schools ban dodgeball it's always a bummer to hear that because you always it's we'll, we'll never see like the true threat of it like I, I don't believe that it propagates bullying or anything like that i just think um we're a little too protective of of, of kids but um i grew up playing dodgeball in gym school and i never got hurt as a result so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know for sure if it was banned, but we never. It was very. The game was similar. I don't know if the gym teachers just avoided calling it dodgeball for that reason, Dude, but like the it D was word. pretty much dodgeball. <laughs> it's like, hey kids, we're gonna play uh, friend ball. <laughs> it's totally not dodgeball, but it's the same. Um, yeah. So what what about dodgeball though got you got you hooked? Um, so you played a couple of charity tournaments for fun, a little bit maybe in um, elementary, junior, high school. What brought you into the NCDA? Uh, so I got accepted <clears throat> to DePaul, and 
at the time, like over the summer before I got there, I was looking up clubs to join. And the first, I don't know how I found it, but the first thing to pop up was DePaul Dodgeball Club. Uh, And I was like, oh, that's amazing. I want to do that. So I got to school, spent like the first week prior, I was in like an immersive class. um, And then I was in a dorm with a bunch of guys and my plan was, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, I'm going to go. But as a 18 year old college girl, I was really focused on going out instead. <laughs> so it wasn't until I made friends with a couple guys on my floor that were like, no, we've been going, you really should come. And I showed up and I was the, there were a couple other girls, but they didn't stay around for very long. Um, so I ended up being the only girl for a while and I just, those guys became like my family. So I just never left. Nice. Was that, was that intimidating at all being brand new and being the only female player or did you just take to it naturally? I am a naturally very competitive person. So I think just that alone was motivation to continue to play. Um, it didn't matter that I was the only girl. It didn't matter that there were guys that were better than me. It was just a fun thing to do on Mondays and Thursday nights. Um, and a lot of the, basically, uh, probably like five to 10 of those guys have become lifelong friends of mine. Uh, so if it wasn't for them, like, I probably wouldn't have continued to play, but because they were such good friends, I just kept coming and they ended up being pretty much my brothers. I still play with one of them, actually. Nice. Uh, who might that be? Uh, Vagam Bogoli. Him and I have played together on and off for all 11 years that I've played dodgeball. Nice. Does he uh, play elite? Yeah, he is on Chicago Kaiju. He's also the catalyst for Mad City. So he is responsible for the live string for round two in the north from last year and from nationals. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. So connecting the dots, because I remember remember seeing the name and I'm just trying to make sure I'm not like confusing it with like Trippetti and and all these new names that I'm slowly getting used to because I'm actually talking to people in other regions. So I just want to make sure I was actually being able to, to separate the two. Yeah. But that's awesome. Um, wow. So you actually have a teammate that you've been playing with for like over 10, 11 years now. Yeah. That's cool. I'm jealous. <laughs> um, that's really awesome. So if you can remember, what was your first like, what was your first night of dodgeball like? Like you said, uh, you, you're very competitive. So can you kind of, do you recall like, yeah, this is what I want to be doing. This is amazing. I can't believe uh, like this is happening. Like how did, how did you feel and how did you do? So the first night I went, um, the DePaul Dodgeball Society was, is an intramural club for DePaul. Um, and my first two or three years of playing, we consistently got like anywhere between 60 to 80 people. Oh man! That's so cool. And we only had one basketball court, so we had as many. And the style of NCDA play has changed a lot um, since I first started playing. But initially, it was every single ball we owned on the center line. You called dodgeball, and it was a free for all. You could grab whatever ball you wanted, and balls were live. 
So, so the- you have 30 kids from on both sides of the court, basically running full force at one another to get dodgeballs. And then it was a lot of chaos until probably about half your team got out. Uh, the only thing is, is that catches do not count for oh, wow. outs. So you could play one match for about a half an hour because catches count brought somebody back in. But unless your team didn't have anybody left to come back in, uh, your catch meant nothing. Hmm. So, so I, you only catches only counted as outs if you didn't have anybody left to come back in. I see. So if I if I had somebody in the queue and I caught you, that guy comes in, but you're still in. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, the thrower gets to stay. So it wow. created it it prolonged games a lot, and it made sure that I don't really know why, because it's not like it helped in like moving the game along um you would just keep on trying to get with that one guy out but all of a sudden he makes eight catches and he brings eight players in but no one on the other team gets out so it just really forced people to try and hit one another yeah i was gonna say if if there's no repercussions for getting caught out people might be more prone to throw and so i could kind of see like how that would encourage just longer play because again if i threw and got caught I didn't learn anything, so I'm just going to keep doing it until I get that person out. So Yeah, pretty much. Um, we've, as a, as a club, um, have this inside joke that we're always undefeated, no matter if we actually win. Uh, it's all about just the fun aspect. Uh, so our team was responsible for a lot of shenanigans for the five years that I played with them. Nice. What, uh, was there like a, a learning curve for you or did you just, um, naturally just do well? Cause like, you know, when some people show up, they'll get lit up all day or they get caught all day. And then th- there's like a, like a little bit of an on-ramp for them before they decide this is for me. How was it for yeah. you adjusting? Uh, throwing wasn't really a problem for me. Um, I caught onto the catching part pretty easily. Uh, however, I did not know how to pinch for like the first three or four years I played. Hmm. I would try so hard and every single ball would just end up in the ground. <laughs> that sounds about right. As soon as, uh, as soon as I try to pinch, it's either in the ground five feet in front of you or like 18 feet up in the air and no chance of hitting anybody. Yeah. So that definitely took me a little bit. Um, but I eventually got the hang of it. Awesome. Did you um did you play any other sports um prior to dodgeball like growing up or in high school or So every sport I played uh in elementary school and high school I'm not really quite sure how that ended up translating into dodgeball um because none of them were throwing sports uh I played soccer uh in elementary school and then I became a competitive cheerleader and then I also ran track. So high jump, pole vault, shot put, hurdles, relay. Uh, I mean, I, I can see how those would, would translate to dodgeball skills. Um, do you know who uh, Kirsten Bell is here in Arizona? Yes. So she, was, I'm pretty sure she was a former cheerleader. And so she's got her crazy like split jump that, you know, she's able to jump like eight feet in the air and she's 
which gets really hard to hit. So um, I think like any sport really would translate to dodgeball in some form, um, except for what you said, like minus the, the throwing aspect. But those sound like um, they kind of primed you to be competitive anyway, or did you, or were you always just a competitive person, regardless if it's uh, sport or not? Yeah, I've I'm competitive with everything. <laughs> nice, very cool. So, so you played NCDA for a little bit, um, and I, and I think I heard you say you did go to the NDL right, the DWCs in Vegas. Yes, I went to one. Which one was that? Uh, I want to say it was 2012. I think that sounds right. Um, yeah, that sounds right. 2012. 2012. Was it, were you guys with um, DePaul or what was your team name? No. So um, through DePaul, uh, us having we have guest nights so we invite people former alum we invite alumni um dodgeball players from the area they can come and play for free because our gym charged an obscene amount for a guest pass uh so we would get five five days out of the quarter where we could put people on, on a list and have them come play so that's how i met glenn Specher, spacer um that's how i met a guy named zach thullen that's how um, I got introduced to the, the more competitive side of dodgeball because DePaul wasn't necessarily competitive. Uh, and from kind of networking with Glenn and Zach and then Zegum, um, we started playing tournaments outside of DePaul. So I was able to meet a whole new slew of people from that. And then we went with the more competitive bunch to the NDL. So I played with a group of girls, uh, most of whom do not play anymore. Um, we played as Unicorns Dilla Task Force because we were all associated with the Task Force guys. Uh, so we played both women's divisions and then I ended up playing co-ed with Team Awesome. And then I played co-ed with, that was co-ed, foam and then i played co-ed 8.5 with chicago guys i also played in the stinger division how did, how did you like those the stingers yeah uh they were awesome yeah he liked i was those. on a team of free agents which was made up of two canadian girls a guy from tokyo and another guy from chicago trying to uh, i caught that was the first time i caught Vince Marchbanks with the stinger no he threw an 8.5 at me I oh, ended gotcha. up catching a guy I can't remember was it damnation the guys from Oregon uh oh I played I with them so I'm trying to remember uh Kevin Pack yeah so I, I play I played with uh damnation for 2012 and 2013 and I'm trying to remember I'm just trying to rack my brain to see if, um, so you, are, are you saying that you caught a stinger? Is that what happened? I caught a stinger from somebody on that team during playoffs. There's a really good chance it was mine because they kept I don't think you, me. I think, I don't remember his name. He was really tall. Oh, Mason. He was with a beard. Mason Shank, big guy? Yes, him. Oh, nice. Ha <laughs> sucker. Take that, Mason. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Yeah, when, when we were talking about like how you played with somebody, um, 
for 11 years. Mason was the closest one for me. So he and I both played on, on the Oregon team. So, oh man, I wish I remembered that. I have to, I need to think about that. Cause that's, um, uh, it's a pretty big deal. I mean, Mason was like our version of Ketchum back in the day. So he was like, just had a cannon. And even back then, like he was, he had gotten like super thin. He had lost like maybe 30, 40 pounds. And so somehow that just translated to him being faster and even scarier. So um, that's awesome. But I'm also yeah, really just, relieved it wasn't me. So that's great. <laughs> I just remember him throwing and me jumping and just holding on to it with all my might, nice. like in between my legs and my hands. And that I think was the only stinger I caught in that division. But I was I was very proud of it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, Mason was a, he was a monster, so um, I feel like I got off easy with that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, um, I still, I, so it's, it's really weird because I'm, I'm trying to place you, and I, I remember like when we played against you in 2014, uh, Evil against, um, I, th- I think you were with Davis then maybe, or I just remember like seeing you and like, Elite Nationals? Yeah, it was the first Elite Nationals at the Tarkanian. And I remember we were facing off against you, and I just knew, like, don't throw at this person. Like, she's really, really good. Don't do it. And I even talked to uh, Paige about this, um, and I watched Brett walk up to you and tee off, and he jumped up and caught it. And I was like, yeah, that, that's why you don't do that. And then he did it again, like, in the next match. And I was like, you should really probably stop doing that. Like, she's really good. <laughs> And I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, why did I already know that? And I think maybe just, like, I I buried that memory of you catching Mason with a stinger in my, just, in, like, the furthest recess of my mind, just knowing, don't throw out this person by herself. Like, she's a monster. So I think it's finally starting to connect. But I'm trying to remember, like, I just knew you were around and you had already, like, established yourself and you're an already really good player. So I'm trying to remember how that happened. But that's that's hilarious. Um yeah, nice little trip down memory lane there. So, <laughs> so that was your only NDL experience. Like you, you said you only went to uh, 2012, or like the only one of them. Yeah, so I played in as many divisions as I possibly could, because um, I'm insane and a masochist. <laughs> um, and that's how I kind of got introduced to a bunch of LA players. Uh, but. I was going to try out for the professional team and Prentice was all about it. And then as the day progressed, I slowly started realizing that I did not want to try out for the professional team based off of the fact that uh, I couldn't participate in like the rule of like not being able to play in other tournaments. Uh, Even though that was like my first national, like huge tournament to play in. I was like, Oh, this doesn't sound like something that I'm interested in. So I just didn't show up to tryouts. Gotcha. Um, and then the amount of money that we spent, like I, per division, uh, I decided that it just wasn't worth it. Uh, so thankfully elite came along, awesome. uh, cause I was not about to drop like another, I think it was like, I paid $330 or something insane like that to play in five divisions. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. And I, I scoff every time somebody complains about playing a pain for elite registration where you'd be paying three fifty, two hundred fifty dollars a player. That's an entire team's registration right there with elites. So people have no yeah, right to complain at all about I remember wanting to make a t shirt that says I went to NDL Nationals and all I got was this stupid keychain. 
Uh, I think that would have actually um, sold really well. A lot of people felt that <laughs> way. <laughs> Do you? Um, so I wanted, did you did you suicide at all that weekend? I mean, this is asking like really deep into memory. In points. NDL, yes, I was the first girl in the okay. women's division of that year to suicide, and I felt so bad for this Canadian girl who had no clue what was coming. All she like the the look of fear in her eyes <laughs> as I like just leapt the line to hit her. She's like, "Wait, what? <laughs> What's going on?" And I was like, I can't believe no one else is doing this. <laughs> and I think I maybe suicided a couple times after that, but just the, the initial suicide was probably the funniest thing ever of that entire weekend. Now, have you done that prior? No. Someone told me I could do it and someone showed me how to do it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Nice. Like when I get the chance, like I'm going to get a ball and I'm just going to go for it. That's funny. That's the second thing I remembered about you. And I'm, I just, I was trying to place that and I'm glad you kind of validated it for me because I, I knew you suicided also. So I remember when we were playing against you back in 2014, I, I just stayed away. I didn't get close because I didn't want to be about to get suicided by you because I saw that you had like, you did it well. Like you, you cleared the distance really well. You threw, it was like, you know, just avoid it. So, and I knew that that was something unique because unfortunately a lot of women don't do that. So anytime somebody does, everybody loses their minds collectively. But I remember watching um, you suicide a few times. Like, yeah, that's um, that's pretty legit. So don't want to get anywhere near her or throw at her. So I'll just hide behind Mason and let him take the out, I guess. That's probably how I, <laughs> how I took that. Um, cool. So my memory isn't as foggy as I, as I would have thought, which is good. I'm glad it's coming back. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on the NDL, but I did want to ask, what was your favorite division? I mean, you played all five of them. It was like foam. Um, I don't know if they had, did they have no no blocking for that one yet? Was that No, was, they added that after I stopped going. So they had, so I think it was foam and 8.5 women's. And then they had foam and 8.5 co-ed. And then they had stingers. Gotcha. Uh, and obviously I think there was a men's division, but I didn't really pay attention to that. Um, right. I think the best division I played in was probably co-ed foam mostly because I think it was co-ed. I actually can't remember. It was one of the co-eds um, who, whatever division I played in with team awesome, I had posted on Facebook that I wanted to play whatever that division was. And they graciously took me on. Um, so that's how I met the Giovinco twins. That's my, how I met Frankie Gianetto. That's how I met uh, Sarah from Trophy Wives. Uh, so just playing with a completely new team and they were just so helpful. They would give me the ball. They would tell, they would talk to me. They would tell me to, you know, throw with them. They were like, we're going to do a fake pump and then we're going to throw. So playing with them was probably like my, my favorite division just because they not only were really good guys to play with, but they were just, so helpful when it came to you know taking advantage of a like a learning opportunity to teach us um not only their play style but like things that i've taken with me throughout the years nice so they, they did more than just include you i mean that alone is a big deal like you weren't just a body just a number so they can make make their requirements it was uh no you were a full-on teammate and they um helped you uh, become part of their their, their synergy or, or what have you yeah absolutely they were 
they were awesome as their they're, team they're name really awesome. obviously <laughs> so, i was uh, i was gonna go for a pun there but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's cool um so um before uh because i wanted to ask because of your your region did you play in any um nada tournaments at north american dodgeball association or yes. national amateur national so, amateur dodgeball association right have you played yeah. any of those i have yeah and uh what are those like and, and how do they differ from i guess the tournaments that i'm familiar with here, out here in the west like i've never played in a, a nada in a nada tournament before so uh glenn has played in nada for longer than i think i've been playing dodgeball um because he started playing in high school and then i started playing nada probably i want to say three or four years into me playing in the ncda so i was still in college when i went to this went to the first tournament um but ncda players for the longest time just hated foam they thought it was like the worst thing that could have ever happened to dodgeball they're not wrong uh, everyone refused to throw it uh and little did i know that I'm from the suburbs. The gym that they host these tournaments at is literally 15 minutes down the street from my house. Oh, um, but I never knew about it. <laughs> so all of a sudden, everyone's like, we're going to sign up for this tournament. And I couldn't get any NCDA players to come. So I ended up playing with, um, I can't even remember who I ended up started playing with. Uh, but we play with 8.25, like the larger foam balls. Um, they actually used good quality balls. Uh, so that was completely new for me because my only foam experience was with like Nerf foam balls. Mm. And those things just don't have any weight to them. Uh, but they used to get like for the high school and for the adult division, they used to get an insane amount of teams. So when I first started, we would have two pools and there would be like 30 teams Uh but over the course of the years, uh, the attendance uh, and the registration has dropped off quite a bit. So nowadays, it's more so we do a draft style. Um, everyone who plays foam in the suburbs will say that they want to play. We'll do a draft. Everyone will make like three teams and we'll show up. There's a couple teams that consistently come. They're not very good. <laughs> um, but it's just a, it's a fun way to play with new people on different teams uh, and kind of stay in that competitive spirit. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty much just, you know, we're playing with our friends against one another and we just happen to pay like $20 a piece to do it. Gotcha. And so Schomburg Park, that's what, is it, was that the gym that you're referencing earlier? Yeah, the Schomburg Park District. What are the odds that you're like, 15 minutes away from what used to be like i don't want to say the dodgeball mecca but they used to have like 80 90 teams um like back in the day back in like 2006 2007 and i was so jealous of people that lived out there i, I didn't know at the time but i was jealous of people like glenn and i guess maybe yourself who were you know you were part of that parks and rec community so you can play in these gigantic tournaments um even though it was foam i didn't know any better back then i just figured dodgeball's dodgeball so yeah that's that's kind of ironic. Um, that's cool though. So, do you? St I, I guess do they still have events then? Uh, they're just not as yeah. Big? We uh, we brought together an old team from years prior, um, just for nostalgia purposes. We played in there. 
uh, winter tournament. So that was held in January, like the middle of January. Hmm. Um, so we just brought some players together that we used to play with. Um, we rocked our old t-shirts that we had made for like a previous tournament and we played in that. Um, so it was, it's not something that I like consistently try and do just because I know that everyone that plays in it, I play against on Wednesday nights. So it's not like a priority of mine anymore, but it was fun to bring an old team back together. I'll say, um, and I was going to ask, so what, um, so you, you had just come back from open gym tonight, right? What, right. uh, what what's the dodgeball scene like for you now? So because I do live in the suburbs, um, I wish that our community would be more like LA in the aspect that, you know, driving a half an hour, 45 minutes is normal to go to open gym, but it is not, unfortunately. Um, so we host on Mondays, we host an 8.5 open gym for the elite season. Uh, even though I wish that we would do it year round, but we just don't have the numbers to make that happen. Uh, so we do that on Mondays from 8.30 until 10.30. And then we do a foam open gym on Wednesdays from 8.30 until 10.30. Uh, mostly 8.25 inch balls, but we do have like a handful of seven inches that we use. Um which a lot of players lately have been focusing more on just because that's the official ball of Team USA. So <laughs> we used to let the little kids throw those balls, but lately we need um, these now. it's kind of like a free-for-all. They're like, we, we need these seven inches because <laughs> we start practicing. Um, so that was – we had a really good turnout tonight. I think we had like 40 people. Nice. And you were saying that was like a mixture of uh, of adults and actual kids, like you. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably about a third kids and like two thirds adults. Gotcha. And um, so, is, is this something that you organize yourself, or is there like another entity that that does this for you guys, or how does that uh, come into play? We have a really good relationship with a local church. So this is their kind of like their community center. Uh, and these guys like Glenn and Devin and Benny Ramirez, um, they've all been playing for ever. Um, so Thursday open gym foam was always a thing. But once the guys got old enough, the guy who helps run it was like you know what i'm just going to give you a set of keys be respectful clean up after yourselves nice. so we we have our dates our times figured out they talk every once in a while but yeah the guys have a set of keys so we open and close the gym um ourselves we don't need permission i guess um as long as you guys are respectful good. and yeah we're respectful don't break anything yeah there, i mean there's very little things in there to break but that's cool. Just I, one big basketball court. We um, so that that's kind of how Tucson ultimately ended up. Before we got into the YMCA and started running leagues out of out of there, we had a church that um a, a dodgeball player um belonged to, and when we were trying to find like a, a permanent home, he uh, he suggested his church, and we ended up striking a really awesome agreement with them where we just pay twenty bucks um, a night and 
eventually we were given the keys to the church and as long as we didn't break anything and get crazy um you know get too rambunctious we were we were good to go and so we, we'd play from like 8 p.m to I'm, I'm not even like one two o'clock in the morning it was it was nuts and it was kind of like how you said earlier like any ball would do as long as it wasn't like a rock um you can get something from um the grocery store as long as it was spherical and 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 you know had velocity to it it was it was fair game so it's just it's it's incredible like the parallels that that exist um you know from one state to to another to another just um people seem to have a lot of similar upbringings especially those that have been playing as long as you and i have for for more than five years without dating myself but um (laughs) that's really cool um so obviously you're you're a pretty competitive person um it sounds like you really did enjoy the ndl you just didn't really care much for you know what was required to become part of the next level and um and all that but I, I kind of want to ask, like, what what drew you into elite? Was that just like the natural progression? Did you have any reservations about it, or how did you get involved? So, um, Glenn was definitely like a huge factor in because he basically spearheaded the at the time the Midwest region for elite. Um, him and Mark you know, had known each other for years by that point through the NDL. And a lot of those guys brought me kind of like in that competitive world. And we had gone to Canada together and we'd done a couple of things. And that was kind of like the beginning. And Glenn's like, you know, we have something working. It's going to be great. We want to get all these teams together. And he had already been really familiar with hosting other tournaments. He used to host something called the Midwest Classic. Um, which brought guys who are now part of Kraken and whatnot. Um, They used to play as GVSU. Like it was just a college team that was coming to these tournaments. Um, So when he told me that elite was going to happen, I was like, I am a hundred percent in like pinch 8.5 is my game. I cannot think of like any other reason why I wouldn't play. Uh, And I had already, you know, we had grown into such a large community that I had no problem like finding players or finding a team. Uh, yeah, I was just like, this is obviously just like the next, the next step. So there's no hesitation. No, like, eh, I don't know. It was like, no, this is the next step. We we're doing this we're, we've been waiting, waiting for this for a while now. Cause like you said, you know, after the NDL, like, well, thank God for elite they, they came in and, and did it right. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for elite, scary thought then i like i can't play college ball forever and i and i played for five years (laughs) um but i just i didn't want to be that person because it it did happen where you know players from the ncda love the sport that much is that they would stick around and they would take because the requirement to play in the ncda is one one credit like you have to take a class um so i mean there were players that were taking a singular class they were stretching out their college experience just to continue to play. Um, And I mean, we had people in grad school, but I mean, we were talking about people who were in their undergrad that were trying to stretch it five, six years just so they can continue to play. And I uh, I didn't want that to be me. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm happy that elite came around when it did. Yeah. I, um, so you really dodged a bullet by not coming back to the, 
2013 DWC, it was just bad. It was, um, 2012 was like decent, but if you can imagine 2013 being half that crowd, it was half the Tarkanian and the same amount of divisions, but it was a recycling of like the same eight to 10 teams. And I wish I was exaggerating. I'm actually trying to paint a better picture for the NDL at this point. And it was just so yeah, like, I, I remember hearing horror stories about that. Yeah. It was and moving forward from there. Yeah. It was just so bad. And I just remember like coming home or driving home. I was like, I, I think it's, I think this is it. Like, I think, uh, if this was the apex or, or the pinnacle of dodgeball competition, it is it's definitely like on the on the down now. Like it's completely gone um, downhill. And I was just like, it was really sad. I was like, wow, I I thought there would be more to this. Um, and thank God there is, because that that was such a like um, I don't want to say like a depressing feeling. It was just like, huh? I guess I guess it's over. I guess the ride's done. I guess this is my stop. Um, I'm kind of sad that my stop is like this. It's so desolate and, and sad. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, again, so grateful for, for Elite. And um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was like that with, with everybody else in Arizona. Like, once it started happening, we are like, yes, we are 100% on board. Thank thank God. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of move, move past Elite and kind of get into the international scene. And if... Uh, memory serves me correctly, you did have some involvement with Team USA, correct? I did. I made the, um, I can't remember what year it was, but I made the team the year that they went to New Zealand. I can't remember that. I should. I think it's 2013. Hopefully somebody can correct me or I can look it up real quick. But um, so, so you made that that team, but didn't um, didn't fall through with it or what happened there? Yeah. Um, the price of you know the flight and the flights within the the two week span that they were supposed to go it just wasn't a feasible thing for being a college kid that was trying to split their time between their job and school gotcha again i i could have sworn i remembered seeing you in a usa jersey not that i stalk you or anything i know that probably sounds <laughs> <laughs> like at this point it probably sounds like i do that but um i just remember in dodgeball family and and the feeds and all this other stuff uh, i remember seeing that um so obviously you have interest for this year um and that's kind of why you're saying you wanted to make uh what was that event that you mentioned uh the twin cities throwdown twin cities throwdown and is this is this just part of um, the next step for you? Like, do you see Team USA as being the next level of competition that you want to go to? It's, it sounds silly to ask why do you want to be on Team USA, but that's kind of where I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, so for me, not playing in New Zealand was a was a huge hit for me because I felt that kind of like stunted my not my playing necessarily, but I felt like it stunted my progression uh, to like a higher level as far as continuing to play internationally. Cause I've played in Canada before a couple times. Um, I've played their style, which is like consistently seven inch. Um, so it's definitely something that I'm comfortable with and I'm confident in. Uh, so knowing how confident I am with a seven inch in foam in general, uh, although I do love elite, I think that showcasing my abilities with foam is something that I want to do. And I, 
I love the international scene. Like I love the players that I've met along the way. And I just think that kind of showcasing that on a bigger stage is just the next goal of mine. But the comp- the competition is going to be extremely tough this year. It's in LA. I don't even know how many people are trying out. Like it just, it just makes sense for basically every girl who has ever touched a foam ball to try out. That's, that's kind of a cool way to put it though. Um, stakes are definitely high. Almost sounds like you kind of like have, um, I don't want to say unfinished business, but you kind of want to pick that up, right? You want to like, want to, I don't want to say redeem yourself, but uh, I think I understand um, wanting to make sure you make this one. And as far as um, are you doing anything specific for to be noticed? Because if I understand correctly, there's there's like scouts now that are helping with the process. Um, I don't. You don't have to fill out an application still, do you? No. Um, we we filled out like a form that was, I think like a Google doc or like a Google something, um, to let kind of like collectively let the committee know that we were interested. So you just filled it out online, basically saying that you're interested. Um, so they have an idea of who to look for. So based off of the fact that, you know, they've said that every USA dodgeball sanctioned event is a tryout. Um, I've, that's part of the reason I came to Sin City and that I went to the Tribune tournament and that I am being completely insane and flying in on a 630 flight into Minneapolis this month. Um, I'm doing everything I can to make it to the tournaments, um, that do have the scouts. Um, I feel like the Tribune tournament was kind of a hit for the girls though, because there was only one scout, um, I mean, there were multiple people on the committee there, but, you know, you can only keep your eye on so many courts. Uh, So for the two women's teams uh, that, well, women's team plus Brendan and then another women's team uh, that competed, I felt like they kind of got slighted uh, as far as that tournament was concerned uh, because the focus was on the men. Uh, So, I mean, those teams will have another opportunity, you know, when the LA Classic comes around and leap and things like that but for some of us if you like can't travel as much it's a little bit more difficult to make that happen so i'm doing everything financially uh possible to make what i what i consider important tournaments gotcha and are you uh, are you able to make the la classic or is that one of the ones that's not within uh your means right that is not in the cards for me this year no gotcha I've heard, um, I don't say I've heard stories about that one, but I keep, keep remembering the hashtag Kelly tried to kill us. And I wonder if that's because it's just so much dodgeball, but I'll find it out. It is an insane amount. Of, I mean, I loved it. I wouldn't have it any other way, but I know that physically for some people, it was a little much the first year that she hosted it. <laughs> um, half of a team left. Oh my. Like they came from Arizona half the team said we can't play day two and they drove back home. Oh man. <laughs> um, hearing but that. as far as women's tournaments are concerned, uh, it is probably the best women's tournament and one of the best well-run tournaments that any girl or any woman could um, 
possibly participate in. So props to Kelly and all the hard work that she does and, you know, making that happen and finding us refs and, you know, making sure that, I mean, obviously, you know, there's other people there helping her, but it was really her brainchild and I could not be any more thankful um, playing in the past two of them. Nice. Yeah. She, um, hopefully she's listening because that's, that's major kudos to what she's doing and what she's done. She's, she's definitely an animal. Like she's just, she's a monster. She's really fit. And I, I, I think it's hilarious that that hashtag was, was a thing. Cause I, I can only imagine like what, what did Kelly do to these poor people? And then I think we had like a taste of the classic, um, it was open to, to everybody in December and it was like foam, no sting and 8.5. And that was mm-hmm. just, I, w- I was just completely just done after day one. Like I was cramping up. That's never happened to me before. And I was like, when does it end? <laughs> it was just a crazy amount of dodgeball, but it was, it was fun. It was, um, it was a great like wake up call. Like, oh yeah, this is what competitive dodgeball used to feel like. Well, anyway, hopefully, um, yeah, I do want to say good luck and, and hopefully the scouts notice and, and you're able to, to put in a good representation of yourself and, and, what you what you bring to the uh, competitive scene? Um, I was looking at the, I think it was like the top thirty um, women in U.S. dodgeball, and I was not surprised at all to see you on here. Um, I think ranked number seven, and people can can take it for a grain of salt, I guess. I know that these get a lot of like controversy, but if I had to make a list, I, I would not. Um, I would definitely have you as top ten easily, just from again stalking you apparently, because that's that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, no, the list was definitely, and I think that the women in the community definitely took it with a grain of salt. There were some stipulations as far as like nat- the nationally ranked list um, that I probably would have approached differently. Uh, so I think as women in the community, we we understood that and we didn't go all up in arms because we're here to support and uplift each other uh, no matter the consequences or, you know, we're not going to say, well, I deserve to be on the list and you don't, or why isn't this person ranked higher? And like, we know that people are good. And if they got slighted, which, you know, some people did, um, that's not necessarily a fault of theirs because we as a community know how good that player is. So it was really funny to see the guys in the community take offense oh, man. to the rankings because we were very much <laughs> silent um on that aspect so watching you know the men argue about why this person is here and this and that um was really funny because they had no part in the process um so although i give them kudos for defending you know people that they sh- thought should be there. Um, we, I think the women in the community, you know, we have like our own group and we talk about issues like this and we talk about how to improve and we're very much so about supporting one another and not bringing people down. Nice. I mean, that's how community should be. And um, when I saw these rankings, I was like, yeah, I mean, that's a, it's somebody's perspective for the current, it's like a snapshot. It may not necessarily be set in stone. Um, somebody could have a crazy breakout series of tournaments, and then next thing you know, the whole order's changed. So who knows like how much weight to give something like that. But um, I do think there is some truth in it. And like I was saying, um, 
top 10 is easily what I, what I could see you, you placing. But um, you did bring up something interesting. I wanted to ask, how do you stay um, so competitive? So after, so I used to live in the city and I've been, I've been back in the suburbs for a while now, um, which joining leagues um, makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, not only because of my work schedule, but because of the commute. Um, so I used to play probably like four, maybe five nights a week. Uh, and I wish I could continue to do that because I feel like I'd probably it. be in better shape than I am now. Uh, but, you know, not only do, you know, I try eat right, you know, do all the things that everyone says, like eat right, work out, be healthy, drink lots of water. Um, but I'm a very like analytical person. So I know that physically, like I probably am not necessarily in my prime anymore, but I've used my brain to kind of combat that. So although like I still am a strong thrower and a strong catcher, I examine other people's play styles and I use that to my advantage, um, which I think has made me a better player overall. Uh, just kind of seeing, you know, the direction of a ball or seeing how someone throws or looking for their weaknesses. So kind of using that to my advantage, nice. uh, which I think has made me a better player throughout the years. That's cool because you remind me of uh, something that Eric Tillmans was talking about and he was kind of saying how even though he was, um, I guess he said he he, he described it as like, his second coming where he was, he already passed like his, uh, his prime, but he got like a little bit of a reboot, but his actions became a lot more calculated and a lot more deliberate. So where he would maybe normally go balls to the wall at 24 at 34, whatever age he was saying, he'd be just a lot more cautious about what he was doing and reserved. And that ended up helping him like ascend to another level of play. So it's interesting that you say like the mental aspect is what's helping you um, stay fierce and, and stay sharp and, and still be able to, to compete with, with the rest. So it's kind of a cool little parallel there. Yeah. I can't just keep throwing. I mean, I can, but um, it's not necessarily as far as like being a competitive player and, you know, making the plays that your team needs you to make uh, definitely kind of taking that step back and knowing your strengths and weaknesses and like knowing necessary what is the more logical decision opposed to just trying to blow people up right. uh, <laughs> has definitely benefited cool so let's go ahead and uh, get get into some of the the crowdsource questions and for those of you guys that submitted questions thank you so much for doing that i know i, I try not to make it like a last minute thing but um we'll go ahead and just kind of read off like what we got um so the first question that sergio leon um submitted was um how does it feel being a pioneer in the North region? Um, he says formerly Midwest, uh, but we can c talk about that too, as far as the growth of the women's game. So I guess, uh, how does it feel being a pioneer for your region? Um, I mean, thank you. That's <laughs> a compliment. Um, how uh, I'm not, I mean, I'm definitely not the first uh, female to play dodgeball in the North. I think that um, there were girls before me that are, not necessarily they're not forgotten about because I sure remember them. Um, but Molly Fannin uh, is probably 
the most standout individual. She was with the DePaul Dodgeball Club from pretty much its inception. She was a rugby player and a softball player. And she is one of the first person I've seen to do an underhand uh, throw with a dodgeball. And she was an amazing catcher. Uh, She graduated before I started, but she would come back from guest nights and she didn't continue to play after she graduated. Um, I mean, she would show up every once in a while, but uh, her main focus became roller derby. Hmm. But I definitely have her to thank as far as, you know, being somebody to look up to and know that I necessarily wasn't alone, uh, as well as there were some girls that played, you know, as I progressed in my college career, there were definitely girls that were also playing and they were doing exactly what I was doing. They were playing 8.5. They were pinching um, girls like uh, Andrea Mason from MSU. And then there was a handful of girls from Kent that also played um, one of which just played in her first elite tournament uh, last weekend. Uh, She brought a team specifically for pinch. Uh, So although I wouldn't consider myself obviously first. Um, I think the fact that I stayed with it and have continued to, you know, show up to tournaments and captain teams um, definitely is important. Um, I'm doing my darndest to uh, recruit other players. And we have a a decent collection of girls that play um, in our recreational leagues. And, you know, we have, you know, like I said, those kids that were showing up on, Wednesday nights like there are girls that come and I do go out of my way to you know talk to them and ask them if they want a team throw with me because I don't want girls to see the sport as a men a man dominated sport so having the girls in Minnesota Marjan and Tanya and Ashley and you know having the girls like Rebecca in Michigan who is the president of her dodgeball club for the NCDA like those are the type of girls that are going to work as um, role models for the younger generations that are going to come in. Um, so I think as long as, you know, we all work, continue to work together, uh, hopefully we can expand the North region's, uh, community. Uh, it's just really hard. I wish that we had a community that was more like LA, um, where we had more rec leagues and, it was easier to introduce competitive dodgeball to them, but because we don't have a women's division here, it makes it really hard. Gotcha. That's really cool. And you, you kind of answered the question I was going to follow up with. And that was if you had anybody that you looked up to uh, or that motivated you or inspired you uh, when you first got started, I'm, I'm really happy that you, you name dropped some folks because that's uh, without getting into like a little soapbox, that's kind of like the whole point of this podcast is to be able to capture names and players, um, especially those that have, I don't say have, um, um, are not here anymore. They don't play anymore, but they've kind of moved on because we, we definitely owe a lot to those um, actual pioneers, not to take away from what Sergio was saying, but the ones that came here first suffered through what me and Eric called like the barnstorming days with the NDL and before Elite and all this other good stuff started to come along. Without those guys, you know, who, who knows how many of us would actually be around. So I was actually really happy to, to hear that. Um, let's see. And then uh, Markel Stokes asked, um, who would you pick for an all-elite team for women out of all the regions for your top six? So kind of a tough one. Yeah. 
Um, so there are so many women that I look up to that I have taken not necessarily their play styles, but like I've watched them and be like, this is what works for them. And I've, you know, girls that are, you know, right up there on the list as far as rankings. Um, I try and see what works for them. I try and translate that into my play style to see what works for me. Um, picking a team of six is basically impossible. Um, if you consider ball style and things like that, I mean, I definitely have standout players. Uh, Paige Peterson is one of them. Um, so if I were going to choose one person to be by my side, it's going to be her. I think I've heard uh, of her. her and I work extremely well together. Uh, she is one of the fiercest players that I know. And uh, it's just, she can adapt to any situation, which is um, definitely a high priority as far as it comes to picking players to play with, you know, being active on the court, being able to move, having a strong throw, but at the same time being able to catch, um, being calculated uh, with your moves, being strategic. There's, you know, there's girls, so many girls that play on the West Coast that I look up to. Um, but yeah, through and through, Paige is going to be like my number, my number one for any ball style and any team. Um, I've learned a lot from Nina. Fiore, um, talking to her about the growth of the sport and just, I remember watching her at Bells being an amazing catcher, uh, Angelique and Rolina. Uh, I would love to play with, uh, Azalea. I have yet to be able to play with anybody from pop that, but I normally post up. I used to post up against her. Now I'm normally on Brittany's side. Um, but I really admire her play style. Um, but yeah, the list, I could continue on and on, but like those are some people that, you know, yes. I've been watching recently that definitely I think, oh, Kate Gone, uh, definitely. I think, not necessarily, I don't know how we would work as a team, but those are people that lately have been kind of standouts and, I would love to play with all of them considering that I haven't been able to before I played with Angelique in the Tribune tournament, but I bet if, uh, if I were to ask this question next week, the, the list would probably change just because like you said, there's so many dynamics, so many amazing people. I'm just kind of like scrolling through the, um, the top 30 list here. And I think any one of these people could easily make, you know, the other five slots that you mentioned. So, yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, putting together the powerhouse team isn't, the best thing um i've seen that happen before with hat trick tournaments where you know players randomly get all put together and you're like oh everyone's screwed because you have like glenn spacer mark trapetti and like two like hard throwing to paul guys on the same team and everyone's like oh well they're they're gonna win and uh then they don't you know, that ends up not being the case because they don't have that synergy or that they can't gel together or there's something lacking um, that makes a team cohesive. So, yeah, makes sense. Um, you kind of mentioned other players from other regions. So do you have, um, and this is another question from Sergio, but which region outside your own has been the toughest um, that you've seen 
um, either because you've been there or just because you recall from like nationals when all the regions come together? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been able to play in three of the four regions and I feel extremely grateful for that. Cause I've played with West coast teams and I played with North teams. Um, and I've played with East players, but not, not necessarily on the East coast. Um, the West, you know, is always considered, you know, the echelon of dodgeball and the West Coast teams are consistently taking, you know, the top spots uh, in things like nationals. But I, I think with the right team and the right strategy that they are, they can be beat, speaking from experience. Um, hmm. it's just a matter of like patience and, uh, you know, trying to not be the savior for the team and, you know, really listening and communicating with one another, um, which is sometimes difficult because, you know, people get in their head or, you know, want to be the person that, you know, takes it upon themselves to get the whole team out. But sometimes you can't have that. Yeah, that makes but yeah, sense. West Coast is probably my hardest region to play against, but they're also some of the funnest people to play with. Um, I played with Echo on the East Coast in co-ed and open. And I don't know if it was just the players, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, well, speaking of Echo... We can kind of move to Joseph's question, Kalela. I think I finally got it right. Um, it's only been like nine episodes when this guy's name's popped up. But he had asked, um, what makes your respective team unique from others in your division and what team always seems to get the better of you head-to-head? -head? Kind of like a two-part so, question, I guess. Uh, with, with Kaiju, uh, I have a lot of big personalities on the team, um, which I'm sure multiple people listening will can attest to. Uh, so I think that helps us and it hurts us at the same time. I think it gives us strength because we do play a little bit more chaotic than some teams are used to, which if, you know, pointed in the right direction, throws teams that are used to like a very specific play style. I think it messes up with their strategy because they can't necessarily keep up. Um, so that's a benefit. Um, but it also has been a downfall um, as far as closing games and, you know, sealing the, the one B the one point to one point, you know, we're in that third game and that could and has, has been a detriment to um, us being able to close out games. But uh, Dynasty is one of those teams that we consistently go up against that we play. We, can, we, we know we can beat them. But like I said, like you get to that third game and one person makes one wrong move and then everything falls apart. So... Them and I think Rogue. 
Dynasty and Rogue, I, I don't know how it happens, but we end up against them consistently in bracket play about 85% of the time. Hmm. They're like always one of our first or second matches. This is one of those things where you guys are like always fated to play against each other. Yeah, like almost too much, and I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I'm a little over it, uh, but it, it makes us better. Like I've, I use those as opportunities to like once, like like I said, strategize and see what's working and see what's not working. So when you're consistently playing the same team, um, you can kind of break things down and like figure it out a little bit better um i really hate going into bracket play up against a team that you haven't played during round robin i think it brings like that unknown element of surprise that can be extremely frustrating because if you don't have a chance to watch that team play kind of screws you over um but yeah Nice. Sorry, I kind of tangented there. No, all good. No, it's a good point because you don't really know, like, do we need to be aggressive with this team? Do we need to be conservative? Like, what, how are we going to uh, switch it up? And you, you learn fast, I'm sure, but not until after a couple of uh, throws have been have been made. Um, so I've got one more fairly tough question, and the rest should be fairly simple. Um, and this one is from Alan Thomas. Um this might be a little bit wordy, but he says there has been some discussion specifically in an article in the Dodgeball Tribune about co-ed and whether or not 8.5 rubber is really the right format. What are your thoughts on co-ed competitive dodgeball ball type and rule set? And I wonder if that's, is that a fair question to ask? Because you guys don't have co-ed, right? We don't, but I, um, I have played co-ed with Kraken for the past two years at Nationals, uh, no sting co-ed. Um, it's just something that they wanted to do and... I was available, um, so I played with them for the past two years, and then I've played co-ed on the East Coast. Um, for the first thing, co-ed, uh, I think that it's kind of like a monster within its own. Uh, I know a lot of people have brought this up before. A lot of professional sports don't necessarily have a co-ed, um, but a lot of sports that are a little bit more of a niche um, kind of thing like ultimate dodge, uh, like ultimate frisbee dodgeball um they do have co-ed right. so i think that as long as everybody on the team acknowledges that we are all equal and that we all have something to offer i think that co-ed is great um i think it brings another element Onto the court, but then again, I kind of have always played on a co-ed team because I play in open. Um, so my role with an open team, depending on who I play with, can be different to how I play with a co-ed team. Um, but I also make it very clear to my co-ed team, uh, whoever I may be playing with, that I'm not going to sit on the back line and I'm not going to be there just to catch people back in. Um, so I think that as long as the women of the community are vocal and that everyone's communicating with one another, I think it's a great thing, um, especially since it brings another division and people get more playtime because uh, only having a men and only having women's um, would kind of make nationals kind of boring <laughs> to not have those additional divisions right. uh as far as ball style i love 8.5 i 
I think it's great. Uh, I do like no sting. I think that as far as women's is concerned, I think that it makes the game a little bit more exciting. And that's strictly because no one really has a problem gripping those things. Um, however, I've seen people with like obscenely small hands pinch a ball. So when someone tells me that they can't grip an 8.5, I don't believe them (laughs) or they're just, you know, there's something that they can do to make it easier. Um, so co-ed ball style and you said rule set. Yeah. If the rule set was the right format, I think for what it is. And I mean, there's, I know that I think the headshots are always a big contention. Um, I think that there's like small rules that I've heard, you know, different opinions on, not necessarily saying that one's right or one's wrong. Um, the hard boundaries are definitely a yes. Um, NCDA is always one point of contact, which really opens up the court. Like it doesn't seem like a lot, but there's like at least a two foot extension along the sideline and along the back line. Um, when you're allowed to take one step out. Um, I mean, headshots, I've always played with headshots. I don't have a problem with them. I do think that the injury, the injuries do bring up an issue. Um, but it works like anything else. Like I hate to use this as a, an analogy, but it's like, if you get shot, you're shot. Like same, same thing with blocking. Like it may ricochet off something, but it still hit you. You're still hurt. Hmm. Um, so I think that just translates into dodgeball kind of the same. Like if you get hit with a ball, but you block it and you block it into yourself, like it makes sense. You're still out. You get hit with the ball. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I like the rule set. I have no problem with it. And I think that might just be me coming from the NCDA and not starting in rec. I know that a lot of rec players that transition into um, the competitive scene do have some problems with some of the rules. Um, so I'm glad you said that because I think co-ed the way it is now is definitely, I feel, with 8.5 and the rule set, the right form. I'm not really sure I understand what Alan means by that, but I, I feel like, um, and I might have to re-read that article to find out, but I don't see anything wrong with co-ed, um, especially co-ed competitive. I think it's definitely something that should be ranked and treated like um, the open division. And that's coming from many years of trying to play in this bar tournament that we can't get into because we need to have two females play. And that's when you would snag your girlfriend or, you know, your sister or your cousin or somebody that would just be willing to stand there just so you, you know, five of you guys can, can play. But the female competitiveness and co-ed has, has evolved so much more since then. It's, um, it's like you said, a lot of the players that play in elite are not content to just coast on the back line and fetch balls and hand them and hand them off to the male throwers. Like they have active roles, and some of them are are super important and pivotal. And you'll see this in like not just like clutch catches, but throws, blocking, um, protecting the other teammates. Not necessarily protecting the males, but just the teammates in general. So they all have like a, a as much of a role and a purpose as anybody else on that team of six. So I would feel um, that. Yeah, the way elite co-ed is now is is correct. And if you're playing dodgeball, it's kind of like you said, if you get shot, you get shot. It doesn't matter if it's a headshot or if it ricocheted off you. You're playing dodgeball in a very professional uh, level. So 
I don't feel like there should be anything to take away from that. And then I will say you chose correctly. 8.5 rubber is the best. So we'll just end the interview now. That's good. I guess that's, all I <laughs> that's all I needed to hear. I just need. I mean, it's it's what I started with. It's what I consistently play. I have no qualms against any other ball. Um, I love seven inch foam. I love 8.25 inch foam. I like no sting. I own every single one of them. Um, I mean, I like rubber stingers. Uh, no one's bringing those back. <laughs> Please God, no. <laughs> um, but, you know, trying to, you know, argue that one ball is better than the other. I think that they all have their pros and their cons. And I don't think that necessarily one is safer than the other either. Um, I have and this is going to sound really terrible. Um, I have given black eyes to people with an 8.5. I have given somebody a bloody nose with a foam ball, mm. and I have seen multiple players break their arm throwing a nose sting. So I don't think that one will ever be, like, I, don't, I think the safety, people have, like, want to say that, like, 8.5s are, like, the biggest safety hazard. But it really depends on who you're throwing at, how you're throwing it. Um, I don't think that one is safer than the other. Uh, it, you I mean, you could get hit in the head with a foam ball, but if you get hit in the right spot, you still might end up with a concussion. So <laughs> yeah, it's just how it happens. Um, yeah, it just depends on like how the ball is thrown. So, um, I have no bias against I I think it's really funny, you know, some like I said, as an NCD player, foam was always the devil, but I love it now. I think it's it involves a lot more finesse um as far as the throwing is involved. But um yeah, they all have their, their pros. I like them all. Dodgeball yeah. is a dodgeball, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, as long as you're playing, I mean that's that's number one. That's all that matters. I uh, I feel the same way. I, I will always love 8.5. It's like like you never forget your first love. It's what I grew up playing as a kid. It's just it's the staple of dodgeball for me. But I, I am starting to really warm up to foam and no sting and and the other ones. So I kind of uh I think I understand. So let's go ahead and get into this one question. I'm so glad uh, Sergio asked it because it's something I, I'm kind of kicking myself for not asking the previous people that I've interviewed. But I definitely will will do so moving forward. Do you have a pregame playlist or do you have something like a song or two that you listen to to help you get in the zone or, or get amped up before uh, a match or a tournament or a game? Uh, so I am a very forgetful person and I never remember my earbuds. <laughs> like I, I think I've forgotten them every single time I've either flown or gone to a tournament. Um, but if I were to pick songs, uh, Missy Elliott used to be my go-to uh, when I ran track in high school. Hmm. Um, I would just listen to nothing but Missy Elliott uh, while I did my warm-ups. So if I were to listen to music, it would definitely be that just because of it's the beat. It's like this like up not necessarily uplifting, but it's like something that gets you really pumped. Right. Um, I think that like the pace of the songs um, 
kind of get you you hyped to be like super aggressive um so i would say basically anything by missy elliott uh but yeah besides that i just kind of kind of show up started drinking i like for the longest time a banana and chocolate milk used to be my go-to I ate it before a tournament one day and I played amazing. So I just so considered that to be like the breakfast of champions for a while. <laughs> a um, banana and chocolate milk, huh? Yeah, banana and chocolate milk. Uh, nice. I try and stay away from any greasy food. So McDonald's used to be like the go-to stop on the way to a tournament. And then oh. I realized like how crappy I felt. Um, probably about like an hour into the tournament. Uh so yeah, banana and chocolate milk just became. Stable. It was easy. Pick it up from a Seven Eleven on, on on a pit stop on the way to the tournament, and you were good to go. I'm gonna have to try that. Um, I agree. Like greasy foods is just a big no no. Um, I don't know if you know him, Joe Fernandez. He he showed up one time for day two of this tournament, and he had McDonald's in his hand. I almost slapped it out of his hands. Like, what are you doing? Like, get that away from yourself and, and me. That's just just smelling it is going to weigh you down just it's bad just just bad food um yeah i i stopped eating it that was like one of Mm. i want to i don't want to call it my new year's resolution but in an effort you know because i haven't been able to play as much i'm like trying to cut out like i haven't drank soda in months i haven't eaten fast food in a while but mcdonald's is like the worst oh yeah like if i'm going to eat fast food it's definitely not going to be mcdonald's (laughs) that's the ultimate sin Cool. So how about, um, what is your favorite dodgeball memory to date? I'm actually really excited to ask you this one because it sounds like you've got a ton to pull from and I mean, there's no wrong answer. So just, I guess maybe the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, there are, there are so many, um, right now, uh, all-star game nationals 2017 when the North beat the West, that is like the most standout memory for me. Um, it was for not only us, but for the rest of the region, it was like a huge milestone. Um, so much so that I don't actually remember what happened. Wow. Just <laughs> I was so full of adrenaline. I remember catching and I remember hitting people. I don't remember anything else. <laughs> I like probably couldn't even tell you who I hit and who I caught. Like it was just that intense that like I wasn't even a, like I've played with these girls so many times in different aspects because we've never all played as a team together. Um, I mean, I've played with Tanya and Marjan and I've played with Paige and I've played with Rachel um, cause she played for DePaul. Um, but yeah, it was kind of just us all trusting one another and it just happened and then it was over. That's cool. It was it was crazy. Just say hey, what happened. Oh, we won. Sweet kind of deal. Yeah, it was like <laughs> we we played and we won the first point and then we won the second point and it was I don't think I've won a match that fast since my old elite team like won our first open division like it was it was crazy. But yeah, it was it was huge and I just remember all the guys just coming up to us and be like, we are so proud of you. Like it was, it was a big deal. 
considering that, you know, half most of that team, that all-star team was on Team USA that year. Wow. So it was kind of like a, I won't say like a proving ground, but you said it was like a very good, it was like a proud moment for the, for the North then for you guys to do that. Yeah. Like even the guys ended up, I mean, dynasty winning pinch was a big deal, but I, most of the guys told us like the women's all-star game was that pivotal moment for the North um, as a region. And that was really important to hear from, I think, not as like a confirmation that, you know, we deserve to win or that we were good enough to win, but for, to feel that much support um, from the guys in our region was not that we didn't know we had it, um, but it was really nice to, to, to feel it. Yeah. Like it was unity and they had your back and they were in your corner the whole time and and rooting for you because you're kind of representing everybody, not just, not just women, but the entire region. Um, that's funny because I, I I don't I didn't know about that and I'm already kind of feeling a little pang of dang it um, I wanted the West to win obviously so I mean if I can feel that just on the outside not even participating I can definitely see like why that would be such a huge deal for uh, for you guys so that's awesome yeah it's funny yeah it's it's my best memory I don't remember what happened I just remember that it happened so <laughs> that works yeah it was just it's it started and then it was over and then there was lots of hugging nice. Yeah, it was, I actually, I still haven't gone back to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably should do that, but. um, And you can still savor it and save that for a rainy day, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, the last question I have for you, and I like, I really like asking this one, because again, just coming from a history of never really understanding or knowing the future and just wondering, hey, is this the last NDL that we're going to make? Or is this the last good tournament that's going to be there? Um, what are you looking forward to the most this year? Uh, with everything that's been going on, all the the crazy announcements and the the, the steps that have been taking, um, what, what are you looking forward to the most? So since I am missing a lot of this year, um, I, I am excited to basically play whenever I can. Um, <laughs> I just realized I might have rubbed that in your face. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's no, because the whole, I think that part of the mentality of like being in the dodgeball family and being part of the dodgeball community is, you know, being happy for the strides uh, that we're making as a community and whether or not you like, you get to participate in that isn't the most important thing um, as far as like being a player. I think that everyone has an opportunity to help USA Dodgeball Elite, um, just the community in general. I think that we all have a part in sharing that with the world. So even though I can't play, um, I'm still going to be helping film. I'm still going to be sharing every single video that gets posted. I'm still going to be encouraging um, the players um, that are participating and I think that's important I don't think that just the players are the most important thing I think that the fans and I think that the support that comes out of that um, is more important because without the people that hold you up you're nothing 
Uh, so, you know, the parents that show up to every tournament, no matter that there's like Ketchum's mom is a perfect example. She goes to every single tournament that she can. Like I've seen her fly to other cities to watch him play. Um, I think that people like that are what's going to get us to where we need to be um, because they have an attachment to the sport, but they're not necessarily involved. Um, so, you know, those people sharing the videos and those people uh, commenting and showing up and being fans, I think that's extremely important. So I think that's what I'm most excited for nice. is that just collectively growing, but also bringing people in that didn't know that this existed, like watching the amount of people that commented on the Mad City feed about like, dodgeball is a sport i didn't know this was a thing but this is kind of awesome like getting that notoriety um and giving us a little bit more of i don't know like i was gonna say like, not validation yeah it's like credibility yeah maybe, or it's like it's confirming that like what you're doing is right right like you're part of something that's like much bigger than what you could ever imagine um, which I think is really exciting. Awesome. And this is obviously something that you can look forward to, even though you're not necessarily playing on the court, it still has that value to you. Yeah. And I mean, and once I, cause I'm trying my best, um, but you know, once I am able to like show up to every tournament and travel and do everything that I was doing prior to this year, um, it's just going to be better than before. So I have something to be excited about when I come back to elite, um, which is great because it'll be bigger and better than before. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be that much better. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Nice. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I guess uh, that's all I got. So we'll go ahead and end the interview there. So that was Kat Takeda and automatically one of my more favorite interviews. Uh, to be able to sit down and chat dodgeball with somebody and just have the time fly right by is rapidly becoming one of my more favorite things to do. I mentioned it briefly during the interview, but I am thrilled when somebody name drops, especially names of those players who are no longer uh, with us playing dodgeball. They have moved on, lost interest, or whatever the reason is. They're just not here to take advantage of what we have today, especially those that have retired even. To be able to acknowledge them and acknowledge that they struggled through the barnstorming days when they would show up to tournaments that weren't fully guaranteed to be a good event or they had to drag their brother or their friend or their sister just so they can make a roster or to still be so freshly associated with the movie and still show up and still motivate people to continue to play and show up. It's a great deal, and I, and I feel like this podcast is sort of like a nod to those people that just aren't around anymore. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode, and before I get too comfortable on my soapbox, I'm just going to go ahead and step right off. Wish you all a great weekend, and we'll see you next time. I'm going to clear my throat for like the 50th time. <clears throat> I don't know if this is going to be a shock to you, but I don't normally talk. So if I say more <laughs> than like 50 words, my throat and voice just like give out, which is kind of annoying because you can hear it in every episode. <laughs>